don't know what they have to say. It makes no difference anyway. Whatever it is, I'm against it. No matter what it is or who commenced it, I'm against it. Your proposition may be good, but let's have one thing understood. Whatever it is, I'm against it. And even when you've changed it or condensed it, I'm against it. I'm opposed to it. On general principles, I'm opposed to it. Hey everyone, welcome to Divergent Theology. This is the place where theologians take ideas and clash them together to see that, well, sometimes theology doesn't always agree with itself. I'm Samson Kovach. I'm from the Theology Pit, and I'm usually here with Michael Patton. Now, we just finished up a series, and we were getting ready to start another one, but some scheduling conflicts uh, happened, one thing or another. Uh, we couldn't quite make stuff happen. We tried our best. We really did. We, we tried our best, but it kind of came out like this. Hey everyone, welcome back to Divergent Theology. Samson Kovach here along with the Camaro theologian, Michael Patton, coming back at you with another great topic. Michael, what do you, what do you got for us today? You say you have something on your mind here. Well, first of all, I'm in the Camaro, so I thought we'd do a special here while... I'm in the Camaro Theologian. This isn't intentional to advertise the Camaro Theologian. If you wanted to go to Camaro Theologian on YouTube, you would see a lot like this. But this is this is how I like to do a lot of talking and a lot of thinking, and I don't know. Yeah. So this this would be just as good a place as any for one of these episodes, especially whenever you're in a pinch and uh, you need to do it this way. Yeah. But I think I got a fun one. I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, Sam. Uh, let's just let's just throw this one out here and and let's see how it goes because I okay. think this is this especially both in the Bible and during the Nazi concentration camp and that yeah. you know Corey Tim Boom story about uh -huh. them hiding Nazis and Nazis coming in and saying, uh, "Do you have any Do you have any Jews in your house?" And them saying, "No." One through three, uh, verse one through three. Read that. Uh, let's see here. The Lord said to Samuel, how long do you intend to mourn for Saul? I have rejected, really? I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with olive oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse and Bethlehem. First Samuel chapter 1 through 3, Saul, Samuel is scared to go and anoint a new king. But God tells him to do Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I'm not sure what you think we should do. Yeah, you're breaking up really, really bad here. Yeah. Yeah, your audio is gone. Yep, that's it. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Patton for the Camaro Theologian. Um, Camaros are not known for their uh, cell reception. Um, so, as you can see, uh, we had to do something about it. So, I told Michael, I said, look, I'll do something to fill in this week, you know, to fill in the time. And uh, I, 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 was, I was talking to my wife about it, and she said, you know what? 
why don't you take one of Michael's videos and react to it? And I said, hey, that's a pretty good idea. So I'm going to react to a Camaro theologian uh, that he that he did. It's called What is Christianity? And so Michael's still going to be here. I'm going to react to it. Um, I have a slightly different take. I diverge from Michael on the way he's explained this topic. Now, the question in the title is What is Christianity? All right, just so that we know. And um, I wonder if when I whenever I share the screen, I wonder if you'll be able to. Now you can't see that in the top, but um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna watch this. It's it's six minutes. I may pause it and kind of comment on it a little bit, and then uh, we'll continue with the discussion. So as to not lose, you know, Michael's presence here because you know he is like the Rome Dyke to my Mighton when it comes to divergent theology. And if you are a, a fan or a student of the theology program, you totally get that reference. If not, head over to uh, credocourses.com and, uh, and, and check out the theology program and you'll be able to see that uh, right away. So let's uh, get started here and take a listen. Let's see if I can, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do like a, a, a revving, like a, um, like a motorcycle, and it's, it's you know, going to probably drive Michael crazy when he sees it. Hey, friends, I'm here with my dog, Ollie, and we are here to tell you about Christianity. Hopefully he doesn't interrupt. He usually does, so we'll see. Now, remember the, present, the, 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 the premise is, what is Christianity? What is it? Now, Christianity, what is Christianity? It's a basic fundamental concept. I'm calling you to Christianity. I want you to be Christian. While listening to this or during this episode or afterwards, I want you to be a Christian. So that's my goal here. Now, how do I, how do I navigate this? Well, first, I need to tell you exactly why you need this. You see, in and of ourselves, we stand in our sins before God. And that is not a good situation to be in because our sins are grave. And, and God is a holy God. He is a perfect God who cannot, not will not, but cannot accept us without a, re, a redemption from our sins, without us coming to him as perfect. Okay, here's the thing. Michael is starting out, um, and this is really low-key Lordship Salvation type view stuff. This is the same type of stuff that you would see on like Way of the Master, whatever. He's, he's, he's showing your sin. He's showing the sinfulness first so that you get an understanding of why you need something to be taken care of. And, and you know, you have to be holy and righteous and blameless before God. So that's where he's starting out. Okay. So his, what if, what is Christianity? He's immediately moved from the, um, articulation of what is the Christian faith to, uh, the need for salvation. And he's going in for the necessity now, uh, you know, the necessity of salvation of the individual and this is already starting to kind of break away from the barriers of historic Christianity in, in the way that it's understood, not, not in the content of what he's saying, because what he's, everything he's going to say in this video is completely in line with Orthodox Protestant, um, theology, Christianity. Nothing is, um, heretical or heterodoxy in here. Nothing that he's going to say at all. 
Um, but I just want you to know that the way he's he's setting up the argument here would not be a traditionally a, a traditionally a historic way of of doing it. So what's the solution? Because all mankind, according to Romans chapter three, has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and is without hope and from head to toe a sinner. So what is what is the solution? Well, the solution is for us to either stand before God and take our own punches and see how it turns out, which I don't want to do and you don't want to do because nobody will, will make it through that. Or turn to Christ in our sinfulness and call upon him for mercy. That's it. It's just a it's just a now, now this is interesting because what Michael, um, you know what, I'm going to let Call it go. For mer- I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have him. You- like, there we go. I'm not going <laughs> to have his face be all weird while I talk. Um, okay, so uh, so he's saying that what it is is it's it's your choice. And this is a very a very interesting way of, of, of presenting the gospel here or because you know, that's what he's doing. He's not really talking so much about Christianity as a whole yet. He's presenting the gospel as though you have a choice. You can either do A or do B. And if you do A, um, you get this result. If you do B, you get this result. It's a man-centered understanding. This is very man-focused here. Okay? It's totally in control of you. Okay? Everybody's fallen short of the glory of God. And also in, in you know, Romans 3, nobody searches, nobody seeks, not one. But yet, there is this this choice that is given as though you are seeking for that choice, as though you are doing it. And this is where I would diverge from Michael in, um, in this understanding. He is now going to start going back into a, a, a very reformed um, articulation of um, the atonement and, and a very particular atonement theory called the vicarious substitutionary view of the atonement. Um, not unbiblical, very much biblical, but this is very much a, a traditional Calvinistic reformed um, understanding. Believe what Christ did has effect in your life and for you. You believe that he died on the cross for for your sins. You believe that he is the God-man, both God and man, the second person of the Trinity. Okay, see, now this is where, this is great, because this is where he he stepped away from the soteriological understanding. He just stepped away from the atonement theory and then moved into the actual, what is Christianity, in my opinion, what is Christianity sine qua non? And he's looking at, you know, Jesus being um, truly God and truly man. This is articulated through... um, the councils, especially the Chalcedonian Council, um, but um, the the historic understanding is that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. This is from the scriptures, and more than that, more than being from the scriptures, it's also from the teaching of the apostles. In um, I mean, you you always. It, Okay, any good theologian, let me switch over real, real quick so you can see this. Any good theologian worth his weight in salt has a, a decent library that they have to show off in videos like this. Now, the reason why you notice if you watch all the other videos, my background is so different is because my wife said, hey, your other background looks you know, horrible. And I said, well, I'm the theology pit. Like, it's a pit. And she said, no, it looks grimy and gross and disgusting. 
show off your books. And I said, okay. But if you notice on all these theology videos, you see these books up here, you will always see these, these books in, in just about every collection. It's a, um, like a 36 volume, 38 volume collection of the early church father's writings. Okay. So in these, um, in these collections, when you look at the, the book on the seven ecumenical councils and it's, 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 it's over here. I'm trying to find it. It's, it, it's around here somewhere. It's in one of those. Um, you look at it and you read one of the first things that it says about the council of Nicaea that was just as important as what the scripture says was that they didn't want to know because they were talking about, you know, is Jesus similar substance to God, you know, homoousios or the same substance homoousios as God. And it was asked of, of the bishops that were attending, we don't want to see if you're good biblical exegetes. Okay. We don't want to know your understanding of what you think scripture says. We want to know what have you been taught because we know what scripture says. And if we know what has been taught, what is the historic understanding of what is Christianity? and these two things agree, then there's no question. Now, if the two things don't agree, then we have to dig a little bit deeper and look at things differently. And all of them, so then all of them discuss what they had been taught. And they had been taught Jesus is fully God and fully man. Okay. So that, so that runs a, a little bit different from an atonement view, meaning that preposition for Christ died for your sins. What does that for me? What does it mean that he died for your sins? How? Did he die for your sins? What, what does that atonement bring? What does that mean? And even that, even that dying for your sins, even that articulation is very, a very narrow understanding within, um, the, the atonement theories. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to head on back here and we're going to allow Michael to continue, but I just wanted to show that, that little shift right there. And then Oops. you trust in him. My friend, it's so important. I wish, I wish I had something that would convince you. I wish I had something that would pull you to this because we don't know when we are going to die. You could die today. You could die tomorrow. You could die 20 years from now. Jesus could come back because Jesus is coming back. Okay. And, and again, the, the imminent return of Christ. I mean, if you're, if you're in a, a church, a liturgical church or one of the, you know, mainline churches, let me get my air bunnies in there, mainline churches, um, you're going to be saying things like, um, the apostles creed, and it's going to be talking about the, um, the return of Christ every, every single time he will come again, um, in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. So that, so that is another historic part, but notice Mike, and if you just come off our series that we've done and you know, my position on this it's not about your choice then, which, which justifies you. And this is where if you don't, if you don't um, speak in terms uh, between the justification aspect and all other salvation and you conflate the two, it can start getting kind of confusing. It can start sounding like, boy, you certainly have a lot to do. You have a lot of effort to put forth. You have a lot to do in order to save yourself. It's almost like, you know, uh, what what Christ did made you save a bull, but didn't quite save you. You have a bunch of stuff to do up to and including putting your trust in Christ, your whole trust and your whole faith and your whole belief in everything in Christ, believing more than facts. And Michael will get to this, but doing more than that. And then salvation comes where I disagree. I, I, I'm like, well, if you're conflating justification and salvation and, and saying that they're the same thing, um, you know, I, I, I think there's more, it's more nuanced than that, obviously, um, from the last six, 
uh, episodes that we've done. But let's uh, let's continue. And all of these things we have outside of Christ, massive non-assurance, massive fear standing before a holy God. But Christ became man and perfectly lived a life. And in this life, he was... Okay, now he touched on again the um, what is Christianity, but he's, he's blending it into the atonement here. Okay, this is another key thing. This is him living the perfect life. Okay, so his life has meaning. Now, he doesn't quite get into what that is because for um for a lot of protestants everything comes down to christ's death on the cross okay that is the main thing his death uh, really is that the the atoning sacrifice of the death and the, the the problem with that is not that it's it's untrue oh sorry i got a alarm going off uh it's not that it's untrue what it is is that it's it's limited because if you just make it about christ's death honestly he could have died as a baby because what would have been the difference? I mean, you could have made the, the leap saying, well, he was like the Passover lamb. He was young, you know, a few years old and we brought him into the house and then Herod slaughtered him and, and his blood was shed for the world. There, there's really no so much reasoning for him to wait until he was older for the sacrifice. OK, but Michael's Michael's touching in on this here that the um, the life of Christ is important and it is important within the the question what is christianity okay so so far we have with the what is christianity you know we have we have his life we have his his death on the cross we have his um oh well i should i should have wrote these down shouldn't i yeah i should have um and, and we have his uh his his return okay so these these three things are big for what is what is christianity Okay. And the return has a, a, a little bit, there's a little bit more that goes in there and I'm not talking rapture stuff, but it's a little bit more that goes in there. So let's continue on. Okay. Just so far his, his, um, you know, trust and, and belief and, and, you know, faith in Christ is, is in my opinion, comes after the justification aspect. Okay. So this is while you are being saved rejected by man and he died on a cross 2,000 years ago well the mysterious thing that happened on this cross we don't know how to exactly explain except for that he took our sins and taking our sins on the cross he took our penalty and he says to everybody come to me come to me who you who are thirsty and heavy laden and I will give you rest okay him dying on the cross again um, for the, the remission of sins, for him being a propitiation, very biblical, very, what is Christianity? Okay. That, I mean, Christians of all times, the, you, you've probably heard us talk about the regular fide or the rule of faith. And this rule of faith is what Christians always ev everywhere have always believed. Okay. And so that is a key aspect of it, that, that the death of Christ meant something and that it was for the sins of the world. Okay. Jesus Christ will give us rest from our sins because on the cross, he forgave sins of all of those who will trust in him. He forgave them. So that, that may mean you, if you trust in him, if you hear this and you think I need Jesus, then I've done my job because that's what my purpose is. 
See, now there's a difference between that, that some theologians will, will discuss between did Christ die for the sin of the world or for the individual sins? Okay, because the argument could be made if Christ died for the sins of the world, then everybody is without sin. Nobody is has sin anymore because Christ took care of it. All right. But if it is for the sin, singular, the big S sin, uh, original sin. All right. And, and died for that. So that's that's for all of humanity. That becomes a redemption for the universe. OK, that, you know, um, God so loved the world where, you know, cosmos in Greek, we get the word cosmos from it. It means universe means everything because of mankind's position, because of humanity's position in the universe, in the created universe, when mankind fell, everything fell with it because God placed everything under mankind. All right. Mankind has dominion. Humanity has dominion over everything. You can read about that in um, uh, Genesis one. Uh, you can see that God created in, in the image, male and female to rule over everything. So when the ruler falls, everything else falls uh, you know, with it, with them. So Christ came and died for the sin. So this is where some theologians may actually diverge here. And, and they would say, okay, so you're saying that now Christ potentially died for someone's sins. He didn't actually die for people's sins. He potentially died for people's sins because you have to then do something. Right. You have to put your faith in him. You have to trust in him. You have to do. And then it becomes applicable to you. OK. And if, if you want to admit, if you want to say that, that's fine. It sounds to me like a works based salvation, whatever. It sounds like merit that you are doing. If, if, if merit is defined as anything you do that motivates God to look favorably upon you, then then, yes, you are meriting salvation through you know, what Christ has done. But this is what Christianity is. It's trusting in Jesus. It's not just believing, as I said at first. Believing is a historical person or that he even rose from the grave is not enough. Okay, he hits on the resurrection. I'm glad that he did. He finally got to that. Resurrection is another what is Christianity thing. That, that, that's a very key central, probably one of the oldest creeds that we have. You can find it in first Corinthians 15. Paul talks about the resurrection. If Christ wasn't raised from the dead, nobody would be raised from the dead. You know, I mean, that, that's a huge one. That's a, that's a very big one to have within what is Christianity. Why isn't it enough? Because we have to rest in him. If I had a chair and I was looking at the chair and I believed that it was a chair, I even told other people that it was a chair. I tested it and to see if it hold things up as a chair is supposed to do. And so in the end, I came to a solid belief that it is a chair. But if I never sit down in it, I've never trusted in that chair. This is the same thing with Jesus Christ. If you've never rested in him, then me and Ollie both uh, beseech you to good, hardcore word. We don't use quite so much anymore, but it just means we beg. The necessity of it is paramount. Okay. See, now, again, 
it's all up to you. It's what you do. Okay. So your faith, your belief, your trust in Christ is the impetus of your justification. It is the beginning of your justification. It is the force that is necessary in order for you to be justified. It is something that you have to do, which because of Romans three, you wouldn't search for, you would never do. This is, this is kind of weird. This is why I, I, I really disagree with what I, I would call the, um, the paleo reformed understanding, this ancient reformers understanding of the doctrine of justification and mixing it with uh, salvation like this. And, and now you're really starting to stray away from what is Christianity to what is reformed, the reformed Calvinist understanding of Christianity. Two completely different questions, but they're, they're, they're kind of being fused together here. But again, it's something that you have to do where, you know, as you know, from my position, it's, it's not. And this is not how I would answer this question. What is Christianity? And I'll, I'll answer it here at the end. But Michael's begging you because if you don't do this, whatever this is, and he, he's articulated, but this is, then you are not, then you cannot be saved. You are not saved. That's it. It's up to you. But if you don't have the cognitive ability, well, that's, you know, that, there, there are ways to worm around that. But the chair illustration, you know, trusting in the chair. I'm sitting in a chair right now that the um, whatever the, the pneumatic thing is in it is is messed up. It always has been. And if I sit just a little bit wrong on it if for a bit, it starts to actually sink. I can't I don't trust this chair. I can't trust this chair. Chairs are not trustworthy. People have sat in chairs and they have broken. Okay. I mean, that, that's totally happened. So my, my trust in this chair, okay, if, if I knew that about this chair before, I would not have bought this chair, but I didn't, but I still sit in this chair. I still get it in every time because I have already been in the position where I am acquainted with this chair. That's the difference. I still sit in this chair. I still trust this chair because I was first acquainted with it. Okay. So unless something happens first, you will not trust in it. So your trust cannot be the thing that saves you. Okay. It can only be Christ. Let's continue. But Jesus loves you and God loves you for God so loved the world that he gave his son so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life and never perish. That's it. That's it. There's nothing for you to do. You don't have to come to him clean. You don't have to wash up before him. You come to him right now, the way you are, where you're at. So what you have to do is you have to do, you have to come. You have to do the, you have to do these things. You don't have to do the things that, you know, everybody else has said that you had to do. You don't have to do set list A. Instead, you have to do set list B. Mm, set list B looks much better because it's not set list A. This is my you know, uh, problem with, with, of course, this, uh, this understanding. Um, I, I think, if, uh, you know, hashing it out with Michael, I think that he would see these nuances and he, and he may, um, you know, uh, adjust the way he presents this in the future. And, and at the end here, I'm going to give my view, like I said before, and, and I think that Michael would, um, would very much agree with it. And trust in him. Once you do that, Jesus will come into your life and everything will change. Everything will change. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but everything will eventually change because you have switched your allegiance from yourself to Jesus Christ. 
So thank you so much for listening. I pray that you understand a little bit more about Christianity. There's a lot of versions past this. There's a lot of people that disagree upon things. That's okay. This is the core of Christianity. And this is the core of what God requires of us. What God requires of us in order to be saved like that's where I, I get I get sticky with it for in order to be justified. Like if you're talking, you know, um, after the justification process, if you're talking about like, you know, some some talk about sanctification, you know, being set apart and, and doing that. Or you talk about the glorification. I'm assuming like the sanctification. Uh, OK, if that or progressive justification, however you want to say it, I can get on board with that. Uh, I can't get on board with you know doing all these things in order to motivate God to look favorably upon me too much. I, I have too much of a problem with that. I don't know whether you'll become a Presbyterian or a Baptist or a Calvinist or, or an Arminian or whatever that doesn't matter. Or Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox, maybe. Well, not with that presentation because that was just the vicarious substitutionary understanding in a very light way of the atonement. Matter right now, I just need you to accept Christ, trust in him, rest in him sit down in the chair that is called Christ and you will be saved period you will be saved thank you very much and uh subscribe if you will and uh I I guess me and we'll see you later because we are almost home all right so I mean good good presentation really is I of course disagree with that ending I, I disagree with the whole you know and he sums it up like if you do all of these things then you will be saved and I'm I'm just like yeah you know I mean what part are you talking about? You know, are, are you talking about what we're going through with sanctification? It's, it's probably, okay. So what is Christianity? All right. The, the Samson Cove attribute, what is Christianity? Christianity is the incarnation. It is the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension, and the sitting of Christ on the throne in power and in glory forever, fully rep representing us forevermore as the God-man. That is Christianity. That is what it is. If, you, if, if you're sitting there saying, I don't believe that, well, then, you know, it's probably because you're not a Christian. And some people, some people do that. I mean, there, there's very much, and, and I'd like to just kind of give you a, an example here of some of it. Let me see if I can uh, get this moving around a little bit. But some of this stuff says, okay, for example, with Michael's presentation, he had a lot of the historic Christianity in it, the regular fide, the rule of faith, what everyone believes, okay? And, and we believe that, you know, Christ, that all of those things meant something. Like, it meant something. He had to recapitulate everything. He had to redo everything, redo everything Adam was supposed to do, everything Israel was supposed to do. He was the Israelite. It was, you know, it's his faithfulness uh, along with his faith. There's a huge amount that goes into every single one of those things and why it's important where Michael was pulling out like one part of it. And that's, that's formed a paleo reform thing to do, I should say. So this guy here uh, says, now nah, the solution is just to live in sin quote, and never worry about mythology. Just like I don't worry about what Zeus thinks about me. Most of what you, um, what you're saying is just word salad anyway, not to be confused with actual knowledge or evidence for the record. No one needs Jesus. Uh, look to most of humanity, which never believed in your mythology. Uh, poop. Never mind. Okay. So <coughs> with what he was saying, he didn't say poop. I just cleaned it up there. Just don't look at, just don't look at that word. I'll, I'll, I'll cover it up. Um, and so what he is saying there is 
and, and it's kind of a criticism of what about those who don't think of Christianity as the vicarious substitutionary understanding of the atonement? Well, fair enough. Okay, you know, I mean, not everybody thinks of it like that. It's a, uh, uh, you know, 16th century, 17th century articulation, strong articulation of the gospel, and this is how Christianity was defined. Are you saying everybody from Christ until then was not a Christian because of that? No, you wouldn't say that. But that type of articulation in, in that understanding of it may not function the same way. You know, some would say, well, what about, you know, going to church and being part of a, a, a church body? Like you have to do that. To, that's Christianity. Is it actually doing that? Some people would say yes. Some people would say no. But uh, but does this include what about the Jews? You know, what about Israel? What about Abraham? Was he, you know, Moses? Were they, I mean, were they not saved? I mean, I mean, come on. You know, we, we have evidence that, uh, scriptural evidence about, you know, Elijah and everyone there. I mean, people in heaven didn't know about Christ. So I think it's a little bit different. I think that there's a little bit more of a nuance there that because of what Christ did, it, it was the, the, um, the, the relating to Yahweh. It was bringing humanity, the forgiveness of humanity's sin, and bringing us into a right relationship with Yahweh. Okay, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bringing us into a full communion with the Godhead. Okay, just as their love went out, it's recapitulated, you know, or reciprocated, I should say, back, back into it. Somebody else says, um, the Bible, okay, and that first person, obviously, wouldn't be a Christian. He'd be like, what's Christianity? Well, uh, you know, if, if you met somebody and they didn't have a Bible, it's Christianity, and they explained it through the Nicene Creed or something like that. Apostles Creed, you say, okay, yeah, I believe that too. We're, we're Christians. Um, people that don't believe that, they're not Christians. And I know that sounds like I'm just saying, well, these are historic belief things and you don't put your trust into it. No, it's, it's not so much that because you, you didn't even define the level of trust. You didn't even define the level of relaxation. There are some people that are so riddled with anxiety throughout history that they never got to that point. Of, of that resting and relaxing in Christ. Are you saying that they're not saved? You're saying they're, it's, it's just problematic. But one of the things that they would confess would be the incarnation, life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ and his, and his reigning in all power. They would, they would say that. This person says Jesus is just a myth. He doesn't even exist. Okay, He's obviously not a Christian. Just saying, just because that's not how Christians say. Now, the next one underneath it, it, it just starts to get like kind of silly. This guy says, um, Bible says, uh, and I don't think English is his first language, so uh, pardon this reading. Uh, Bible says the earth was created only about 6,200 years old. The Bible doesn't say that. Show me chapter and verse. It doesn't say that anywhere. That is a, a, a something that was made up in um, uh, 16th century, I believe, 17th century. Uh, by a, a bishop, I can't remember his name, um, but he, uh, yeah, counted back, and it was like oh, something like October twenty first, four thousand and four at nine a.m. I think I think I'm, yeah, it was around there. I could I could find like the actual date that he said, um, but who knows what time zone, right? Yeah, don't have any idea about that. So okay, so that's the first one. It says uh, now we know the Earth is millions of years old. Also, as as though that that non-fact 
about, you know, that doesn't exist in the Bible disproves anything that Michael said. And then it says, uh, then he goes on to say, also, according to Bible, God created sun on third day of his creations, but he made light on uh, the first day. What nonsense does the Bible say? Okay, this is where poetic language comes into play. The six days of creation are separated into two categories. And you have the first day and the fourth day, they match. The second day and the fifth day match. And the third day and the sixth day match. Okay, the first day you have the creation and then you have the receptacle or the containing of it. So it goes back and forth. So day one, light. Day um, uh, four is the receptacle or the containers of the light. Uh, day um, two is the um, uh, the the um, is it the waters? I believe I'm I'm I'm, I'm not able to remember it. Uh, the the waters and then you know the fish and everything and and the things for the the um, the the waters and and the separation. That's it, the separation of the firmament and all that stuff. So the water cycle and the things that are in the water cycle. Okay, the fish uh, and the birds in the air, and then you have land up here in day three and um, mammals in in day six. So everything. So there there's a parallel movement. It, it's a poetic way of remembering and understanding the narrative that just says Yahweh did it. It wasn't one of these Egyptian gods because you know Genesis is being um, written to. Uh, and, and explain to the Israelites in the land of Canaan that just came out of 400 years of Egyptian captivity, where through the plagues, they just watched all the Egyptian gods get beat down by the real true ruler and king Yahweh, who then had bought them and said, I am going to be your God. I am going to be your king. I fought won you. Do you want to do you agree that I am God, that I am your God, that I am your king? And of course they say yes. And then he gives them the Ten Commandments. So they agree to be his people because he fought for them. So it's a totally different understanding. These these people are obviously, you know, they're not serious about what they are, um, what they're saying and what they're asking. So when you ask me what is Christianity, it's very simple. It is the um, the incarnation, which is extremely important. The life of Christ, which is extremely important. The death of Christ, which is extremely important. The burial, which is extremely important. The resurrection, just as important. The ascension, super important. And the reigning uh, forever on the throne, important for the eternality of your salvation. Okay, that is Christianity. Now, if you were to ask me, what is the atonement? What does all of that mean for the sins and what must I do? If you're asking that question, well, then it sounds like it really sounds like you're already justified because those who aren't don't seek. They don't look. They don't care. They, they really don't like these guys. I don't care about my sin, the sin to live in. I mean, that's the way that they react. This is not the way that somebody who is or has been regenerated, who has been justified, is reacting. They are seeking, how can I please God? That is the sanctification process. So that's what Christianity is. In a nutshell, am I take. Hey, thanks for listening to Divergent Theology. Thanks for watching here on YouTube. Please like and subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, leave a uh, review on iTunes. Um, you know, give us a, a good five-star rating if you think it's five stars. And I will definitely be back with Michael uh, the, the next time. And uh, we will have better uh, connection 
uh, a better connection. We'll make sure that he's in his studio and, and not trying to do it from the car. God bless you. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to Divergent Theology. You can visit our websites at credohouse.org or thetheologypit.com and make a donation. Support the ministry that way. Now, here's a quick look at next week's Divergent Theology. So you got a good solid month to think about what you want to do what and how you want to present it. And All right. that's when we'll get together, brother. Okay, sounds All good. Right, man. Thanks, Sam. Good job. <laughs>